You're listening to a sermon on the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Stick around after the message for more information about Mission Ridge. Thanks for tuning in. But we have one last week of our current series, Seven Parables Guiding Your Steps, and I I think we'll do this again. We'll probably come back to this again next year. We just... Uh, scratch the surface when it comes to the the breadth of parables that Jesus presents, and I think we could do this every year for for several years and and not hit the same parables and and uh, there's so much to glean from what Jesus says in in his parables. So um, excited to finish this week up. Last week, Logan shared the parable about settling accounts. And he said that Christ invites us to create a culture of forgiveness around us, right? And this is an, this is an equal, I hate to say it that way, but equal but opposite reaction to what the world has done. What, when Lamech in Genesis, was it Genesis 4? Just four chapters in, we can see that evil has fully taken shape and fully taken its course in this world through unforgiveness, through boastfulness, through revenge. And Jesus says we can undo that as a church. As we choose to be a people that creates a culture of forgiveness around us. And I found that sermon challenging. You know, I think in terms of how many churches have have split over the, the color of the carpet, right? I don't ever want to get there. I don't care what the color of the carpet is. Someone else, please choose that for us. Won't be me. Um, but I also won't break up the church over, through unforgiveness. We're going to create a different culture. Well, as we get into today's uh, sermon, I want you to think about this question. In one word, what does God expect from you? What's that word that just automatically comes to the surface, rises to the top, beats all the other words to the finish line? What's that one word for you? I want to give you a little bit of context because we mostly haven't touched on Luke's parables, even though he he tells roughly 27 parables. But uh, in the second half of Luke 9 through the first half of Luke 19, so 10 plus chapters, Jesus is traveling towards Jerusalem. And as he's traveling, he tells 20 of his 27 parables. Now there's some debate on which of these parables are parables or not. I mean, it's really obvious when he says, starts off with, and Jesus told a parable, right? But there's some that they're kind of debate, well, is this a parable or is this just wisdom literature? But roughly 27 parables, Jesus tells the majority of his parables on his journey from the Galilee to Jerusalem. And in fact, we're going to look at Luke 18 today, a portion of Luke 18 But next week, we'll look at the back half of Luke 19 
as Jesus makes his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. So that's just a little bit of context of where we're at. In fact, we know that Jesus isn't quite to Jericho because in Luke 19, we recently talked about a story of Zacchaeus, a tax collector, as Jesus enters into Jericho. And so he's not quite there yet. So let's pick it up in Luke 18, verses 9 through 14. And he also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. So we're, we're given the audience right up front. Who's this parable for? Two men went into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee standing by himself prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I get. But the tax collector says, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Now, I asked you an unfair question at the beginning. I asked you in one word, what does God expect from you? And it's an unfair question because our relationship with God is complex. He's a complex God. It's a complex relationship. But I imagine some of the words that came to your mind would be faith, obedience, love, respect. And I think these are fantastic answers. But did you consider humility as one of those words that should rise to the top? When we think about the tax collector, he, he barely makes it to the temple. If he was here, he would, he would make it to the doorway. And maybe not even step in. He'll get close, but he'd be afraid to get too close. I find it interesting that he makes no deliberate act of restitution. We see a chapter later, Zacchaeus say, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I'll give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything... I'll give back four times as much. That's Zacchaeus, the tax collector. And yet, Jesus said that that simple prayer, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. That simple prayer was enough for him to go home justified. 
The Pharisee, we're told, on the other hand, he treats others with contempt. In the Greek, it literally means that he cast them out as nothing. In the phrase, it says that Pharisee standing by himself prayed. The prepositional phrase is, is a little ambiguous in the Greek. It's, it's really hard to tell. Greek language is usually very finite, but sometimes it's ambiguous. In this case, it's ambiguous. It can say that he was standing by himself and he prayed, or that he was praying to himself. Standing, he prayed to himself. Either of these is problematic. Because if he's praying to himself, it's like, it's like the, the rich fool that we looked at earlier where, where he says, soul, you have many goods stored up for yourself. Remember that story? Like who prays to themselves? On the outside, it looks like he's having a conversation with God, but maybe he's just having a conversation with himself. Maybe it looks like he's shown up, but he's here physically, but spiritually he's someplace else. Emotionally, mentally, he's someplace else. It's like the little kid that gets told to sit down and he tells his mom, I'm sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. So either he's praying towards himself or standing by himself, he prayed. Like he didn't even want to know the tax collector's name. He didn't even care to know who he was. If we're going to be a kingdom priest, if we're going to be a blue thread in a white tassel world, we have to be willing to get close to those whom God is working in. A tax collector doesn't accidentally get to the temple. If you haven't been to Israel, it is quite the hike to get up to the Temple Mount. He didn't stumble upon it. If he was there, it's because God's Spirit was working in him. Now, one of the questions that this parable brings up is, does God not care about our religious acts? Is, it, is that the point? Like fasting, does he not care if we fast? Does he not care if we tithe? Does that not matter? We'll talk about this more in footnotes, but there's only a handful of times that, that you're prescribed to, to fast. And yet he's saying we, we fast twice a week. I'm fasting twice a week. Historians will tell you that they would fast on, on Mondays, and Thursdays, and it was just part of their regular routine. And then tithing. He says, I tithe on everything I acquire. Jesus says this in Luke eleven forty two. but woe to you, Pharisees, for you pay tithe on mint and rue and every kind of garden herb. 
Now, I've got some friends that they, they love fresh mint. They love fresh basil. And they'll have a plant sitting in their windowsill. And they're cooking and they'll walk over and they'll pull a leaf off and they'll throw it in the food. It's not like corn. It's, they don't have rows and rows and rows of this stuff. They have a, a single plant in the windowsill. And yet, yet these guys are meticulously tithing off of that. Nine for me, one for you. Nine for me, one for you. They're tithing on the smallest of things. And Jesus says, and yet you disregard justice and the love of God. But these are the things you should have done without neglecting the others. You should have been just as meticulous about seeking justice and loving God. And I think about how many times have I shown up for church and I, haven't, and I walk away no closer to God than this Pharisee. How many times do I walk in the door so that you guys see me, but not that I see God? That I check a, a box somewhere where I could keep my list of comparisons. Well, I'm, I'm better off than those who, those 1.6ers, right? 1.6 times a month. Or what's that acronym for? The CEOs, the Christmas, Easter, and other special occasions, you know. Mother's Day is actually, I think, the most popular day for people to show up to church. They'll show up because they want to honor their mother. Which I think, honor your mother, like, fantastic. How many times have I done that? In the, the comparison game, I, I grew up with that. My brother and I, I knew how many times I took out the garbage and how many times he did not. School, can't believe they got an A. Military, oh, you got to believe we did some comparing in the military. Did you see that guy's boots? See that guy with his hands in his pockets? See how late that guy showed up to commander's call? See what kind of lousy NCO that guy is? If there's anything I'm good at is comparing myself to other people. I am so adept at that. How about you? Other people that you cast out as nothing because of the way they vote, the way they do or don't wear their mask, about how woke or unwoke they are, their Facebook posts. Other people that you cast out as nothing that you expect or suspect that they are far from God. Or maybe it's just simply guilt by association. 
they wear a red hat with white letters on it. They walk into the wrong church's doors. They're friends with the wrong pastor. They have the wrong occupation. It's so easy for us, isn't it? I'd like to say that I identify with the tax collector in this story, but it's been a while since I've been a tax collector. I've had more years as a Pharisee. And some of us, we know what it means to feel like that tax collector where we're beating our chest, asking for mercy. But as we've gone to the temple over and over and over again, we start to gain knowledge and understanding and we start to build these practices into our lives And pretty soon, we start to look at other tax collectors, maybe a little sideways, maybe with a little question in our heart about their intentions. Because we can't see what the Holy Spirit's doing. In Isaiah 6, we see a different story. We see a different response from a religious leader. It says this, in the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with a train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings. Two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And he called out to one another, said, holy, holy, Holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundation of the thresholds trembled at the voice of him who called out while the temple was filling with smoke. This is a brown pants kind of day. If you get my drift. You show up in this moment. And I don't know if Isaiah even had a choice. You show up in this moment oh, I don't know what control I'd have over my faculties to get my drift. I'd be falling on my face. And then I said, Isaiah said, woe is me for I am ruined because I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. This is chapter six. He's been prophesying for five chapters. Tell me, what does a prophet use in his prophesying? What is his tool? It's his lips. He says, I have unclean lips and I live among the people of unclean lips. He sees himself properly in light of who God is. And he sees that he is no different than the people around him. This is the humility that Christ talks about. Isaiah doesn't just preach to the people, he preaches to himself. He sees himself in his own words. 
the tax collector. Didn't even think he could come walking through the door. Or maybe you know that person. Maybe that was you at one point where you thought maybe the, the building would come crashing down if you entered in. It doesn't. It's not our God. And the Pharisee, he stands by himself. He doesn't even care to know the tax collector's name. He's already judged him. Does your religious observance bring you closer to God or does it get in the way? And does your religious observance help you see your humanity or does it cause you to cast people out as nothing? I think that's worth evaluating. Isaiah 6 goes on to say, Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with tongs. He touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is forgiven. See, Jesus' parable, they both could have walked away justified. Isaiah walks away justified because he experienced God's grace, his mercy. Have mercy on me, oh God. I'm a sinner. And this is why we have this core value of roughly right. God uses imperfect people with imperfect methods and imperfect theology. While this is not an excuse for compromise, we'll also embrace the fact that we will make mistakes and get things wrong. We, collectively, we, those of us that get paid to do this full-time and those of us who don't get paid but still do this full-time. We value doing the best we can. We won't allow imperfections to prevent us from moving forward with God's mission. The us includes the tax collector who will barely grace the door. Maybe, maybe the tax collector would have come on in if he would have been invited. I hope when we see our tax collector that we invite them fully in knowing that they're as roughly right as we are. I hope we don't see people as tax collectors by their worst mistake. And, and there's no doubt that as a tax collector, what, what that man did was horrific. It was shameful. He needed to repent. He needed a different occupation. He needed Christ. This is what I think the implication is of this story, guys. Christ invites you to approach all relationships with a humble heart. 
Again, humility gives us a proper view of God, ourself, and others. He is holy, 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 holy. The, the Hebrew language is a simple language. They don't have words like awesome and sicky narnar. And so they just repeat the word, just like, I don't have any other word for this, so I'm going to just keep saying it. You are holy, you are holy, you are holy. I don't know what else was said, but that was significant to Isaiah. That is his God. He's like, I need to make sure this gets communicated to the people around me. We have a holy God and we're not like him. He's also merciful. And I have unclean lips as your pastor. And I live amongst a people of unclean lips. And I preach to myself first. At least I certainly try. Because I see my mistakes in everything that I, I say up here. Everything I read, I see all kinds of mistakes. I pray that we be a people that have a proper view of God, of ourselves, not thinking too lowly of ourselves. Like we're made in the image of God. And so is the tax collector who doesn't think they could actually walk into the building because it might fall down on them. Proper view of God, ourselves, and others as image bearers of the living God. And so next steps. First, let's start off by evaluating our religious acts. Are we trying to earn our salvation? Are we doing this for, for comparison? Or are we doing this for closeness? And if we're honest, the answer is yes. I've done this because I'm... I felt the need to compare myself with others. I've done this to try to earn my salvation because I so desperately wanted it. But I've also done this because I want closeness with Christ. Ephesians 2 says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not as a result of works, that no one may boast. We can't boast. I can't boast to you about my works. Whatever works I have done, I can't boast about them because I only did them because Christ gave me the ability to do them. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. My works doesn't save me. My role as a pastor definitely doesn't save me. In fact, it's a temptation. It's a temptation for me to look at you like tax collectors, for me to compare myself to you, and for me to keep track of all my religious acts and to compare myself to you. Second step, pray humbly. Pray humbly. The Eastern Orthodox Church, and we'll talk about the difference between the Church of the East and the Church of the West, but they've had this simple prayer, and, and then the Western Church adopted it later. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And like the fact that we will pray the Lord's Prayer, 
gives us their daily bread, lead us not into temptation. We, we pray the, the Lord's Prayer. They also pray this simple prayer of humility. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Then finally, weed out all contempt from your heart. Who do you have a tendency to cast out as nothing? Who is it easy for you to falsely assume that the Holy Spirit can't be working in them because of this, that, or the other thing? I gotta imagine every one of us has at least one name. There's at least one person. Let's weed it out. Let's weed out contempt. Let's be super hopeful that the Holy Spirit is working, that He is having His way in that person. Because they're just like us. Made of the same stuff, same heart condition, in need of the the same Savior, and made in the image of God. Again, Christ invites you to approach all relationships with a humble heart. And I know on my part, this takes work. This takes effort. In recent time, I, I've spent the most work just weeding out the contempt in, in, with my own family. I wish that wasn't true of me. But that's where the Pharisee shows up more than most. Let's respond to this invitation to approach all relationships with humble heart. Let's do the work that Christ invites us to. Thanks for listening to the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and share if you enjoyed this message. Mission Ridge is a new church in Missoula, Montana. If you're in the Missoula area, we would love to have you join us for worship on a Sunday. For more information about Mission Ridge, connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, or online at missionridge.church. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can give securely online at missionridge.church forward slash give. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you have a blessed week. We'll catch you on the flip side.